Welcome to Her Drive Podcast, a female-focused interview series with women of the world discussing their road trips to success. I'm your host, Cindy Cramblett, a travel expert, business owner, and curious spirit with a knack for meeting fascinating women. Please join me as I hop in the passenger seat and chat with these ambitious women about what drives them, twists and turns, and those pedal to the metal moments. Let's drive. Howdy, everybody from Texas. I'm super excited for this episode. I'm always excited for the episodes, but this one's extra special to my heart because I'm actually talking to someone that I've known for a very long time. I used to work with her in Washington, D.C. when I lived there and was working as a tour guide. So it's really cool to flip back into memories with Caitlin and then kind of witness what she's created in the last four years, we were talking before I started to record about a tour of her own, which is this beautiful tour company, events company that that Caitlin created. And she told me about it years ago and what she was thinking. And she so art, artfully described what she wanted to create. And I tell you what, people, like you literally can create anything that's within your heart and your mind. And and Caitlin had so much passion and was very specific in what she wanted to do. And now reconnecting and seeing what a tour of her own has become. It's this beautiful manifestation of, of what she expressed and also so much more. So without further ado, Caitlin Calagero, welcome to Her Drive Podcast. How are you doing? Wow. Thank you so much for that awesome introduction. Oh my gosh. I feel emotional already. (laughs) (laughs) I was literally crying when talking. (laughs) We're proud of you. (laughs) Yeah. It's always extra special to sort of do like podcasts or events with people that already know your story and have their own place in it. So I'm just thrilled to be on her drive with you today, Cindy. And thank you so much for inviting me and thinking about a tour of her own. I can't wait to share it with you. Absolutely. Um, well, it's an honor to have you. So tell tell the lovely listeners of her drive, what is a tour of her own? A tour of her own LLC is a small business. It is the first tourism company in Washington, D.C., to focus exclusively on women's history. And we specialize in historical tours, cultural events, book readings, and everything uh, kind of in the tourism and hospitality industries. And we were established in 2018. Cindy, you were very close to the, the launch. You were at the first event and it was just so exciting to bring this into the industry. Um, Nobody had really been focusing on women's stories or marginalized voices in the historical tourism kind of world. And it just felt like the right time in 2017 and 2018 to launch that. And so it is my small business now, and I'm just super proud of it. Wow. That's, um, yeah, the, the thing that you said that just stuck, I was like, I'm, I'm super proud of it. And you should be because in Washington, D.C., definitely like there's all these monuments erected and memorials to men and yes there's amazing stories and they were certainly played a critical role in the history of of um the united states but there there really is was not prior to what you were what you what you've created uh much focus on women and um 
I'm just I'm pumped that you that you came up with this concept and and you made it happen. And funny enough, <laughs> before this episode, I was um I started watching the Martha Mitchell effect, which is essentially about um a woman, I don't know if you've seen it, but a woman in Washington who was the spouse of 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 a cabinet member and the influence that she had and she was kind of a threat to the presidency um for speaking out. So I just I'm so happy that there's a company now that is in sharing the voices of women. Um, so thank you so much for doing this. So um, what was, what was kind of like the genesis? Like, was there an ah moment or aha moment, excuse me, where you're like, I need, I need to, I need to form something. Ooh, I, I think I came to that moment several times over the course of probably like six months to a year. Um, you know, a lot of it had to do with current events at the time. Washington, D.C. was just kind of like a political hotspot. And there was an election and there were, you know, there was the Me Too movement and just like all of these not only national but international events taking place that just kind of like fueled me to start questioning. It. You know, I would go home or I'd look on my smartphone and I'd see all these, you know, stories or movements led by women. And then the very next day I would go lead a tour and I found myself sort of regurgitating information that kind of, that was, you know, taught to me and I just put it back out into the world. So I found myself often talking about Abraham Lincoln and Thomas Jefferson and Martin Luther King Jr. and tons and tons and tons of war memorials. And it always came back to this sort of hard power, this, you know, assertive, aggressive style of leadership. And, you know, I just, I was questioning it. There were a few things in the news um, locally at the time that I think really caught my attention. There were some studies coming out about uh, women's representation in public spaces and media. And so um, I think all of those little moments strung together really brought me to this this big, big moment, but it was hard. You know, I think any like, like entrepreneur, primarily women, you know, we second guess ourselves. You always think like, can I even do this? How do you turn an idea into an actual business? And so it took me a long time to get over that hump as well. And it also took a huge support system uh, of, of tour guides and other people that kind of encouraged me to, to jump right into it. Mm, that's amazing. And I applaud you. It's funny. Our, our passions kind of exploded at the same time. It was right around that period where I formed her drive podcast. So yeah, um, spurred by a lot of those same events. So, um, so prior to a tour of her own, like what's your, what's your tourism work pedigree and, and your history that, that led you to being a person who would even, uh, have the idea and then, the, the power to set off on, on creating such an amazing company? I think answering that question has been a whole nother journey of my own. Um, I, you know, it, I always start it with, I've just kind of always been in non-traditional spaces. I've never worked a nine to five, you know, uh, entrepreneurship requires a lot of different kind of worth work ethnics and styles. And um, so that's, that's sort of, where I just naturally land. Um, I was working in tourism for about three or four years as a licensed tour guide in DC, also in New York City. And so I was often doing trips up and down the East Coast. I still do, but um, by I love traveling, right? Of course you love traveling and there's so much beauty in 
you know, going to different places outside of where you live. But I kind of really did the reverse in that I was living in DC and I wanted to know every corner and every crevice and every alleyway in this city and give it a new voice that people weren't doing for, you know, the centuries that the city has existed. So from a tourism perspective, I was trained as a tour guide. I have a bachelor's degree in history, and I just really wanted to hyper-focus in the nation's capital. I think how I got to the women's aspect of it comes from a whole nother part of my background, which was sort of like my first career. I was a coach and a student athlete uh, my entire life. I was deeply involved in softball. I was coaching every level from, gosh, like three-year-olds through college. And that really, I think, gave me a lot of my skills for leadership and just creative thinking and organizing. Um, and, And so, you know, being in groups of women and working toward common goals Really, those are skills that I learned from sports and have now pulled into into tourism. You know, there was a moment where I just kind of sat back and uh, I, I was thinking, what's next for my career? Where are my skills? Who do I work best with? What's my leadership style? And somehow, you know, a tour of her own was born out of that. I, I didn't really just go and say like, hey, I want to start a business. Um, it was, you know, just a, a conscious uh you know, intake of what was happening around me and what I could contribute and how I could best do that. Mm, I love when it all comes together. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's so awesome. So um, if you can go back to when you were first starting to to formulate this idea, what were some of the, the challenges along the way? Oh, gosh, I think I'm still running into some challenges. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't be a small business if you didn't have challenges or a business. Right, of- <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And that's probably the first challenge is just like, like accepting, okay, that once you get past one thing, there's always going to be something else and just kind of taking that with some grace and some patience. Um, so, you know, a lot of personal challenges in that sense, um, but also, you know, challenges on the larger scale. I felt like uh, I was entering into a space in the tourism industry that was new and I was sort of reinventing it. And so, you know, early on, I actually was pushing uh, kind of traditionally within tourism and found that it wasn't quite like hooking or latching the way that I thought it would. And then I realized, you know, well, how are women consumers? Who's really, you know, interested in this? And so, it, it took me a while to understand that we, we aren't just a tourism company. We are an educational company and we also operate at the intersection of activism. Mm. And so then once I learned that, you know, the people that were interested in our tours were, uh, you know, corporate America, diversity, equity and inclusion groups, that was a whole new world to me. Then we moved into sort of activist space where you have a lot of folks who are pushing for the Equal Rights Amendment and um, they wanted, you know, historical context. So it it just sort of opened up into a world that I don't think I was expecting. And I was trying to sort through, you know, to to really uh, understand, you know, who my audience was, who wanted this, um, how to not only be a business, but also contribute back to the community in ways that was responsible. That's such a, um, a, I don't even know the word, that I want to describe like such a, a large 
a, I don't, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like it's such a, a large like space or res, I'm not, responsibility yeah. for all of those things to intersect at one point yes. um, and to articulate it all in a way that is digestible. Um, and I'm sure, have you had trouble? Maybe not. You said in the beginning, like you, you didn't think that it was going to be like digested or absorbed the way in which that you did. So how did you start to formulate your message, your branding, um, to start capturing the the minds and the eyes of, of people traveling to Washington DC so that they would come and and share in the experiences that you're creating? That's an excellent question. I think some of the 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 good steps that I made early on and still hold close to our strategy is very like grassroots. So, you know, I'm not the only one that leads tours. We have several other tour guides on the team who have, you know, invested their careers into this work. So there's a level of trustworthiness that there are a group of people that are doing this. It's not just me. It's not just one person, right? There's a collective that are putting our energies and our professionalism behind that. I think also, um, I have really tapped into the local city and community, which is not something tour companies usually do. Like you had just said, how do you get, you know, people from coming from out of town onto your tours? I don't generally focus on that. I I find that, you know, if people are coming to the city for two or three days, they want to go see the main sites and, you know, to do something so niche was a little bit of an ask. And I wasn't trying to change people's minds or convince them because I do think when people come to the city, they should go see all the traditional sites. Like those are perfectly uh, valued as well. So I really just started um, forming personal relationships with local leaders. And I think a lot of that has to go to my customer service background. I, I didn't mention this earlier, but I always worked in restaurants and the service industry. And for me, there's so much to just have a personal interaction with somebody and you know, learn their name, let them know who you are. They're not just booking something on the internet. A lot of the time I'm in email chains with them, they get my cell phone number and it becomes a very custom experience. And so a lot of local um, uh, business leaders and local organizers have brought their networks out on a tour. They've said, this is really something we have to do. And, uh, and so it's become kind of like an echo from our messaging and our branding, whether it be through emails or on social media, uh, or at networking events, uh, kind of outward to other people who are are in this space or might have, you know, some familiarity with it, so that there's not a whole lot of convincing, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, I, me, I'm your, I'm like target audience for um, what you offer because I like alternative information, and as a woman who believes in hearing the voices and stories and impact of women. It, it's a totally up my alley. And um, living in Dallas now, there's a, this interesting little pod of people that I've met that are from this area or from the DC area. And we all want to come home <laughs> yeah. and uh, and visit, but, and bring people, bring some of our girlfriends that are, are not familiar with DC from like our lens. And it would be an experience to, to kind of tap into to what you're doing. Um, but I see exactly what you mean as far as the the local network of people. And that's one of the things that I loved about living in Washington, D.C. was creating um, relationships, friendships with 
with people that are there to stay, that are the fabric of the community. And I think so many people think about Washington, D.C. as just our nation's capital and politicians, right, and government. But there's so much more there that I, th I find to be so enriching and beautiful. So I, I really love the approach that, that you have found. Yeah. So interestingly enough, there is a little coalition out there from Dallas, Texas, of older, like, old tour guides who have moved out of the city and they are trying to get a tour of her own in Texas. It's a small grassroots campaign. And I keep joking with them like someday, someday, someday. <gasps> but I, I love that it's a joke, but it's like kind of fun too, that that's even a part of the conversation, you know? Oof, absolutely. I mean, jokes can very quickly become reality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. So, um, I like to ask this question usually later in the interview, but it's I think it's applicable now. Um, when you kind of look down the, the highway of life and what's to come, um, what do you see occurring um, for a tour of Rome? Maybe expanding to Dallas, other cities? What are you thinking? Ooh. You know, I've been asked this question on other podcasts, and it's like one of those that have haunted me because – I've sort of danced around it. Um, you know, I, I've always kind of said, I never imagined Toho would be where it is today. So I try not to put too many, you know, rails on it or have any kind of anticipation. I want to let it grow organically. But the more I really sit with that question and think about my personal, you know, place in time right now, um, I, I would really love to grow Toho in a way that can provide educational access to just communities that, that don't have that. Uh, one of the first things that I did when I was building this company was I just, you know, Googled uh, women's tourism. I didn't know what was going to come up. I was so curious though. And in my mind, I thought it was going to be women's history tours in Dallas or something like that. And it wasn't. Most of what came up was how uh, you know, women in third world countries rely on tourism uh, essentially to make an earning just so they can eat and, uh, you know, have access to clean water and resources that, you know, in the nation's capital in the United States of America, we often take for granted. And so um, I think education is key to just everything everything, right? Education opens doors for everyone across the world, but primarily women. So I would just really love to take it in a direction where both domestically and abroad, we can just further learn women's stories and share women's stories. And, you know, uh, just like create that sisterhood across the world that I know you as a traveler totally understand and respect. And, and that's part of your mission the same way that I want it to be part of Toho's. Mm. That's beautiful. I love that. And um, for sure, it's it's already happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's so many amazing stories that you've come across in history, but is there one that is that has stuck out the most to you? <sighs> there are so many. Um, I'm going to just plug my book here a little bit. <laughs> uh, during the pandemic, I wrote a book. It's called, I co-wrote it with uh, a colleague, Rebecca Grawl, and it's called 111 Places in Women's History. So every time someone asks me for one, I just like immediately start going through 111, which is, is hard to uh, really, you know, trickle down into your favorites. Um, 
I find I'm going to just kind of go, go broad here. You know, I am not someone with a, a STEM background, like science, tech, engineering, math, not for me. So I find a lot of those stories really interesting. Like, um, Catherine Johnson with the hidden figures, you know, there's a movie about it. Um, there's lots of DC history for the hidden figures who worked for NASA. Uh, there's a lot of stories of women like Wangari Matai who um, went and planted trees and she used this sort of biological approach to uh, empower women. She paid them for every tree that they planted. So I love stories like that because it's so outside of my thought process. I'm a I'm a, you know, a humanitarian, I'm sort of like a, a history, liberal arts focused kind of a person. So, um, but I think here in DC, a story that I tell often is about uh, a really special cemetery that does not get a lot of attention. And it's called the Female Union Band Society Cemetery. And these were uh, mostly black and native women pre-Civil War who banded together in Georgetown to take care of each other, mutual aid. They had a constitution, they paid dues, and if someone was sick or they passed on, they had a, a whole group of women that was gonna make sure that they were had a proper burial and that, they're, that they were taken care of. And I think that that's so special and is just truly the, the heart of, of what it means to be a woman anywhere in the world. That's a fascinating story, and I'm really excited to read your book. I'm going to order it. But for the listeners, where can they where can they find this book? Basically, just ask your local bookshop for it. Sometimes they can order it, or just do a Google search. And there are several online places that are selling it right now. All right, perfect, perfect. Throughout this process, what have been some powerful defining moments? for you as a woman creating her own company and working with other women? I, I've i been able to meet some really cool people and have just sort of casual conversations with them from artists to other business owners. I, you know, I, I think this is, I don't, I don't, I don't actually feel like super comfortable being proud about this, but I guess that I am. You know, I just kind of uploaded our or updated our website the other day and we got like a ton of press and media and it's just right there on the front page. I was giving a tour for the local WNBA basketball team in DC and at the very same time, so that was like huge and like super fun. And at the very same time, we got a shout out on NPR radio. So sometimes, yeah, like sometimes these just really celebratory moments hit. Um, sometimes we end up in a publication and I don't even have a heads up. It just is a surprise. Other times, you know, I've been asked to, you know, contribute to interviews for like Forbes and I never, ever, ever could have imagined that. And, uh, you know, I, I always just try to be cool about it, but those, those are big moments. Those are milestones. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it's really not about the acknowledgements or the, the awareness from that kind of level. For me, the most powerful moments are when you're in the room with other people, not only just women, but men as well, men who come on our tours and they're just like, wow, like I felt welcome and I enjoyed that so much and they're supportive. 
um, all those little moments are just like personal reminders about why this work is so important. Absolutely. And um, we all need validation for Mm -hmm. what we're doing as a, you know, a little like at a girl, keep going. Um, So you absolutely have every right to, to celebrate doing something that's so powerful and positively influencing the world because let's just face it. There's so many other ways that we could turn and be (laughs) that are not so great for, for the world. Um, but maybe good for our pocketbooks or (laughs) something else (laughs) that's a little more sinister. Um, so that's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so can you walk me through kind of the standard, I don't know if there's a standard for you, like, um, what the type of tours are that, that you lead um, and in your guides lead throughout the, the DMV? Sure. So we, we offer a bunch of tours. Like since we launched in 2018, I think that we have created and run close to two dozen tours, which is wild, but also, you know, to be fair, we were in like two years of pandemic when all we were doing is really just creating. So um, we had that opportunity, but um, we kind of offer a couple different services. I think our most common is like a two hour walking tour through DC. And then beyond that, we expanded into virtual tours as our audience grew outside of the area. We wanted everyone in, you know, Dallas, Texas to be able to come on a tour. And, um, and then we also do some bus tours as well. So as the company grows, our tours are changing, but for our standard tours, you know, we, we sort of welcome everybody. We'll do introductions. I think one of the things that our team is really good at, uh, on these tours is not just talking at you. I think people are a little bit concerned about historical tours there, you know, some feedback that we've gotten about the industry at large is just you know, people don't like history all the time. They're confused about dates and times and all of that. So one of our priorities is just form connections and make it personal and create a space where people feel comfortable asking questions and and, um, being involved. And we kind of really have to set expectations as well, because when you're on a two hour walking tour through DC, the nature of the tour is just that you're only going to be able to see you know, a limited amount of tangible representation of women. So what does that mean? We'll have, you know, some opportunity to maybe see public artwork or maybe a statue of a woman or a plaque on a building named for her, but they're far and few between. So what we try to explain to people um, is that tour guides are storytellers and a lot of what we're doing on the tour is interpretive as well. So not one of one of the things about women's history is that it's not always right there in front of you you have to search for it or it's from a whole different time period so we'll take our groups to let's say Pennsylvania Avenue which is one of the most you know beautiful streets in the country it's America's main street and while you won't see suffragists marching you know we're there to help interpret the the road for you and say this is where women marched for the first times Um, And we'll say, you know, before this was a federal area, there were many brothels. And we talk about how women were leading brothels. And that was, 
you know, part of the economy. And that was a career, uh, one of the oldest careers for women. So it's a bit interpretive. But um, but yeah, we lead people through the sites and we give them new perspective. And I think to answer maybe some of your one of your questions earlier, like what's a big milestone? Every time a local person says, I've walked past this a million times and never knew that, or I've lived here my whole life and you just gave me new perspective, like that is huge. Like that's such a compliment. And that's often what we are finding on our tours. Mm, I think that's amazing. You're right. Like (laughs) I've shamed myself a lot since moving to Dallas. It was meant to be like a one year thing. (laughs) Um, or like a little stepping stone and COVID kind of set some things back, which is fine. It is what it is. But I, I, I was, I I loved Washington DC so much because I knew so much about it. Not the way in which now, if I were there now and learning from you all, what I would know. Um, but by getting to know your city and and seeing the things that, that are there and, and very, um, rooted in history, it does offer up a whole new appreciation, which I think also leads to, a love for the place that you're in. Um, so how awesome that yeah. you all get to do that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, it's, it's a struggle though, because like I said, you know, it, it's not in your face. Women's history, we've really had to do a lot of research. Um, a lot of the information that we share, it, a lot of it's not, you know, documented on the internet. It's stuff that we've had to go and, uh, do the research on ourselves and put the story together. So it, it has been a challenge from that sense. And I, I want to share that because I think also a lot of the time people go on a walking tour and it's two hours and that's the experience. And I just, I always try to advocate for the industry in that there's a lot more time that the tour guide is putting into that tour outside of what you see. You know, a lot of the time our tour guides will bring visuals, right? Because there aren't, there isn't a statue of, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So we bring a a picture of her printed out, laminated, or we put it on our tablets and that's to add to the experience. And so there's a lot more that kind of goes into those torts too, aside from, you know, what, what people see in this, just those two hours. Oh, wow. That's so such amazing work. And what an amazing message about guides and and a lot of guides are, I mean, most, I mean, all guides, I guess, are self-taught. You're not really given a, a book of here, these, this is all you need to know for this particular journey or trip that you're on. It's, it's really, you can learn as much as you want. And then depending upon who the audience is, pull bits and of information to make it even more custom for them. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's also a challenge because it's true for us and it's true for our audience is that we don't always have a base knowledge of this stuff. It's not like we're taught women's history in K through 12 curriculum. There's a lot of data and statistics that show how little women are represented in textbooks and in classrooms. So tour guides also, you know, this is new for us. A lot lot of us, you know, just have like a passion to share diverse stories, but we've also had to build a foundation uh, from the bottom up. And so when we're meeting our groups, it's kind of like you have to take their temperature too. You know, when you start a regular tour, everybody knows who Abraham, Abraham Lincoln is. When you start a women's history tour, you really have to let the group show you where they are so you can meet them so that it's not, doesn't sound like gibberish or like a whole different language. 
And while sometimes that can be good because we have this beautiful opportunity to just create from a blank slate, it does provide a challenge in many ways. Mm. Absolutely. Well, in in all of this growth and, and leadership, what do you do um, to maintain a sense of self? Do you have any rituals that you do daily, weekly, monthly, annually that um, kind of bring you into center? Ooh, I think there are probably some smaller things that really just keep me like in the moment and mindful. You know, I just love my morning coffee, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> yeah. I love my morning coffee. I love picking out a mug and, you know, making the coffee in the French press and just, you know, creating it with intention and then sitting and enjoying it out on my porch. I have a hammock, which is, I'm so obsessed with anyone that knows me. I'm like always talking about it and posting pictures of it on Instagram, but the hammock is like such a, such a peaceful place because I'm just kind of like rocking it and it, and it kind of, you know, pulls me away from the, the city uh, sounds and transports me a little bit. So I think small things like that. I also, as much as I love and I'm obsessed with Washington, D.C., I make it a point to get out of the city, whether it's just for a day trip to go hiking or to go visit another city and just like reset. You know, travel has the power to ignite creativity and just, you know, remind you what's important and sometimes remind you what's not important. So um, I the deeper I get into D.C., the more I have to remind myself, like, take a break go somewhere else, get out and come back. And it's almost always like you see the city with new eyes um, mm-hmm. when you come back. That is such a beautiful point. And I, I know exactly how, how that feels. Um, <laughs> I travel all the time, but I know when I've been in, in Dallas for too long of a period, <laughs> yeah, my yeah. perception of reality starts to be skewed. So then I start, <laughs> I thrust myself typically alone into nature yes. <laughs> and then the, the reality of, of life and priorities uh, realign. And then I also have a, a wonderful appreciation for my home and, and for my life here. So uh, yeah, that's, and that's also like, I think a skill or just a certain awareness that you have to develop personally. I know you and I are in that space where we practice mindfulness and intention. And it was like when the pandemic hit and so many people were moving from their offices into a home working space, all those things became more important, right? Like what's your working environment? What do you do to to kind of step out and reset? And uh, I think that that's something that that we as like freelancers or people that work, you know, non-traditional jobs have have kind of figured it out. And it's like a superpower, you know? It truly is. Yeah, it absolutely is. And and when the pandemic happened, (laughs) I'm so spoiled in my life, but I I was having a hissy fit because... I was getting ready to travel the world for a few months, like, and then poof, you can't go anywhere. And then yeah. I realized, oh my gosh, I, I, I literally can't go anywhere. <laughs> I haven't gone, not gone anywhere uh, since I was like uh, 21 How, and I'm now 30. <laughs> How is this yeah. possible? <laughs> um, so it was a, it was a humbling moment. And then <laughs> I, I had my camper van. Uh, we, my ex and I finished building it out and then we, then we hit the road. So I wasn't stuck at home like a lot of people for long. Um, but it did help me find a sense of self and communion with, with people who don't have the pleasures of traveling so much. 
or ever, which brings me back to another question I have about your, um, your digital online tours. Like what, what is that like? Because I've heard it's growing in popularity. I think once we start talking about the digital space, as far as tourism, it's, to be honest with you, it's complex. It, it's a little bit nuanced and complicated. I, I, I'll be transparent about that. Um, ours generally are like PowerPoint presentations. So we have a speaker, which again, we pride ourselves on being storytellers. So our tour guides are animated, they're theatrical, you know, the way that they're speaking kind of pulls you in, in a way that's not like a lecture or a documentary. So I, I think that's, again, something um, that is our strength. And then, you know, we pull images from around the city and show people what is there, what are the themes. In some of our tours, we've actually found it to be really beneficial because the virtual experience allows for uh, some benefits that a walking tour wouldn't. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, we do a tour that's largely on architecture. It focuses on the the buildings in downtown DC and how they used to be department stores and how women used to um, kind of exercise their freedoms in the department stores. Well, when you're standing at the bottom of a department store looking up, you can only see so much, you feel so little. But when you show, you know, images of that building in a virtual tour, you can really grasp um, the, the scale and scope of it and kind of uh, make it a little bit more visible and easy to see. The other thing that our virtual tours allow us to do is actually take clips off of YouTube or other resources. We use the Library of Congress often, we use the archives, and show those clips in our virtual tours and actually uh, bring these women to life. We hear their voices, we see the way they move, um, we get you know really close to old school video footage or radio audio, and that's an awesome element for for teaching history and just kind of being entertained. Um, you know, some people ask us if our virtual tours are like us out there with our iPhones, you know, walking through the sites. They're not, they're just simply not. Um, it's as far as connection issues, it's difficult to do that. Um, you can't even get around the city that much. You're still on foot. And so the approach we take is really just like, gathering content and presenting it to you in a way that's that's compelling and still you know gives you an introduction to to feeling like you're traveling if you can't be in dc uh, but on the flip side i do think that traveling uh on tours is you know it's just unmatched so so it, it's not a substitute but certainly you know give give both a try i love that and it's so cool that there are these options that are available now well, my dear, um, this is my favorite question to ask um, every guest on her drive. Um, what is um, a, a message, if you could go back in time and give like a younger you some words of advice? Um, how old would you be and what would you say? Ooh, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I think... I have so many things. So this is advice to my younger self, not even other people. That That's tricky, Cindy. Gosh. Mm. <laughs> I think I'd probably go back about 
10 years. So I'm uh, 33 now. I go to my early 20s. And I would encourage myself. I would, I would encourage myself to question everything mm. and be curious and step outside my comfort zone to really make sure that, you know, the life that we're living is ours and not what we've just kind of been conditioned by society to believe the life that we're living is authentic to ourselves. That is the advice that I would have given myself. However, I would say I, I also came to a lot of that understanding through travel. So I, I would just say also just keep traveling because when you when you do that, you know, a lot you automatically just find growth and healing and the answers that you need. Wow, that's so powerful and and both really beautiful messages. So <laughs> I, uh, I I like that advice for 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 younger us and also us now and us in the future and and really just undoing these programs right yeah exactly mm-hmm. wait so has anybody asked you that question because i'm curious <laughs> no one has but maybe one day i'll answer it <laughs> <laughs> okay deal deal <laughs> um well um, is there anything else that you'd like to share with the listeners before we say fare thee well there is one thing I like to always add um, at the end of these kinds of conversations. I just want to remind people that history is very approachable and you don't have to be a historian. You don't have to be a tour guide. You don't have to have any sort of skills in this space to participate. I think uh, what we can do best is actually talk with our own families. So I encourage everyone to go talk to your, your mother, your grandmother, your aunts, and ask them what their stories are. And don't only ask, but write it down or take a video of it so that there is record. You are then creating history of your own family, which is just as important. And if you're someone you know that has some younger folks in your family, go tell your daughter or your son your own story and make sure that it's documented because it's important. And when we know each other's stories, we can just, you know, feel like we belong, we can connect, and it just helps us truly understand our place in the world. Mm, that's so beautiful. Well, thank you very much, Caitlin, for for that last bit. And um, before we say got, goodbye, can you just let everyone know where they can find you and uh, a tour of our own? Sure. So you can uh, join our email list at www.atourofheron.com. You can find us on most major social media platforms at a tour of her own. And then if you want to just follow me personally, I'm on Instagram at Kate Cal, K-A-I-T-C-A-L. And I just would love to hear that you found me through her drive and I'd love to connect. So please don't hesitate to reach out. Beautiful. Well, Kaylin, thank you so much for taking time to reconnect and, and share this awesome story. And I look forward to seeing you soon when I come home. (laughs) Yeah, we'll welcome you back and take you on a tour. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Cindy. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for listening to Her Drive with Cindy Cramblett. If you want to know more about today's guest or know a fascinating woman you'd love for me to interview, please see the show notes, visit Instagram or her-drive.com. And please, 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 if you love the show, leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for riding along and subscribe to join our next woman and her drive to success.